And welcome again. We continue our series, Fire It Up, as we look about the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts and reflect on our own lives and opening the windows of our lives, our individuals, families, and our church family to the power of the Holy Spirit and renewal. And we continue our story in Acts chapter 27, verses 39 and following. And we've been looking at three questions. What is your level of passion? What are the gifts that you have to share? And, and what is your level of resilience as we all face challenge and adversity in life? And we continue with Paul and the ship uh, in the storm and about to be shipwrecked, and we pick up the story there. When daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea and at the same time untied the ropes that held the rudders. Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and made for the beach. But the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow stuck fast and would not move, and the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping. But the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. The rest were able to get on planks or on other pieces of the ship, in this way, everyone reached land safely. Once safely ashore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood, and as he put it on the fire, a viper, driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, This man must be a murderer. For though he escaped from the sea, the goddess of justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. There was a state nearby that belonged to Plubius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us into his home and showed us generous hospitality for three days. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him, and after prayer, placed his hands on him and healed him. When this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island came out and were cured. They honored us in many ways, and when we were ready to sail, they furnished us with supplies when needed. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts and minds this morning. Well, this morning we're looking in our series, Fired Up, and we're looking at unusual kindness. Unusual kindness. Well... Well, just a couple weeks ago, we celebrated Halloween, and we did it a day early here at the church with Trunk or Treat, and it's one of my favorite times of the year, and it's, it's so much fun to see kids and adults. Adults get to be kids in that time, too, and so we had all kinds of uh, cars and vehicles out here with their trunks open, and we got to dress up in all of our uh, finery with lots of themes, while some of our folks can really go all out with that and to hand out candy. And then we got to see all these kids and adults dress up, because the parents love to do that, too. And we saw goblins and ghouls, we saw princes and princesses, and we just saw the whole array of monsters, and it was just so much fun. I love doing that. And it's interesting because someone once reflected that there's, you know, sometimes people look at Halloween and say, oh, you know, that's just, uh, you know, kind of uh, a, a vestige of something that we should just wash away. But someone once reflected and said, you know, there's a sacredness about that, and that we show hospitality. 
Because on no other day or night of the year will someone show up to your house dressed as something scary and you open the door and you give them a treat. And in fact, someone said that there's only one, so uh, one sunrise that separates you giving them a treat and calling the police, right? So there's a sacred element of hospitality in amidst all the fun and festivity that I love that I think it's good for us to remember as a church. And I think it's so great that we do that in our community uh, and invite people in. And I want you to think about that as unusual kindness, unusual kind of hospitality. As we look at this great story as we come towards the close of the book of Acts and continue in our own lives, hopefully opening the windows of our lives to the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we've been on this journey, and as we're sort of looking at this uh, final chapters in this book, we've been looking at Paul who is turning the world upside down. I use uh, a phrase used for his ministry in the city of Thessalonica that so fits maybe what we should be doing as we challenge ourselves to turn the world upside down, to turn the world upside down with our passion and enthusiasm, to turn the world upside down as we use our gifts and talents for the good of others, to turn the world upside down as we uh, overcome adversity and challenge in good ways, and also just to turn the values of the world around us and the culture around us in a way that reflects Christ and not the regular culture of the day. And so Paul has been turning the world upside down. He went to Thessalonica, then to Athens, challenge the philosophy of the day, and then to Corinth, where he talked so much about the resurrection with passion. And then on to Ephesus, where he talked about the power of the Holy Spirit and reminded us that the Holy Spirit is there to empower and to encourage and to enlighten us in our lives. We think about that in our own lives. We all need to be enlightened and encouraged and empowered as we face the challenges of everyday life around us and the great challenges sometimes that come in some dark chapters of our, of our life where God is still at work. And, and then Paul is in Troas and he's going towards Jerusalem and this prophet by the name of Agabus comes to Paul and tells him that he goes to Jerusalem and he binds his hand with Paul's belt, his hands and his feet, and says the owner of this belt, if he continues on to Jerusalem, will be bound just like this. Paul was not dissuaded. Paul said, that's my destiny. And on beyond that destiny was Rome. And so Paul goes to Jerusalem, continues to turn the world upside down, and a riot breaks out because they accused Paul of doing all kinds of things he wasn't doing. And the, the Roman guards had to rescue Paul, put him in prison for his own safety. And then in the middle of the night, they smuggled him out by the Roman cavalry and a detachment of soldiers, took him halfway to Caesarea, and then the, the detachment left. The cavalry took him on to Caesarea, this wonderful, incredible place by the sea. But it was a place where many Roman leaders would come. And so Paul was in prison there. We showed you the picture of the prison where Paul was. And then Paul was put under house arrest. And Paul was engaging the leaders of the day and people who would come and visit him. And first it was Felix, and then it was Festus and Agrippa. And we talked how that Paul uh, spoke to them, and they enjoyed listening to Paul and uh, were engaged by him, but their lives weren't changed. And I said it's a good reminder to all of us that the goal of God's word is not just to be informed, but to allow our lives to be transformed by the power of word, not just informed, but transformed. And so Paul is informed their lives aren't changed, but Paul is engaging a lot of people, and no doubt, Paul as salt and light in that moment was touching people's lives. Three years later, it was time for Paul to get on a ship, not as a pastor, but as a prisoner, and he has a guard assigned to him, a centurion, a guard, a, a captain of 100 soldiers, who's his personal centurion. Julius is his name. And they sail towards Fairhaven, and they're behind because the winds seem to be picking up. But there's no storm. And Paul is visited by the Lord and told that they should not set sail. And uh, the captain doesn't listen. 
and is more concerned about the cargo and the ship than being on time to Rome. And so they leave without heeding Paul's warning. And they get into one of the worst storms ever. It's 14 days in the dark sea. And uh, Paul, after they're just, they're throwing the cargo overboard, they take the sails down and just try to keep the ship headed into the waves so it's not caught sideways in the waves and, and goes down. And, and they just give up hope. And Paul goes in to them in the middle of all this and says, the Lord has given me a word of hope. I got good news and bad news. But he says, listen, the ship is going to be lost in the end, but all of you will be saved as long as you don't abandon ship. And I said, what a good image that is for all of us. The ship is often used as a, as a symbol of the church, and maybe all of us need to remember in the storms of life to not abandon our faith, to not abandon the church family, right? And storms do come in life. Challenges, adversity come in life, and all of us face that, but don't abandon your faith. Don't abandon the ship. And so we pick up this moment when Paul comes to him and he says, listen, you need to have a little bread and water because we're going to uh, wreck and go into an island, but all the lives will be, will be spared. And as morning breaks, they can see an island, which is the island of Malta here. And if you're a sailor and you're in a storm, that's not the kind of island you necessarily want to see. You'll notice that the coast is very rough and jagged. And if you look down, you can see the reefs right through the Right through the water, you can see the reefs, and those reefs can just tear a ship to pieces, but it's the best hope they have. They let go of the anchors, and they try to hoist the sails and to, to steer the ship around it, and the, stir, the bow of the ship gets grounded in, and then the waves just begin to grind the, the stern of the ship, the back end of the ship, up and down into the reefs, and just turn it into pieces. And so the command is given for them to swim to shore, uh, foil the people that wanted to kill the prisoners because of Julius, who's uh, grown to liking Paul. And then uh, everyone grabs pieces of the ship. Everyone makes it to shore uh, through the storm. In our own lives, sometimes uh, we do face storms and adversity, but, but God is there. And uh, sometimes we like it when Jesus comes and he just says, peace be still, right? And stills the storm. But there's other times when Jesus comes to us like he did to the apostle Paul in the storm and says, peace be still in your heart. I'm going to be there in the storm. So God is always there in the storm. Peace be still, sometimes stills the storm, and sometimes stills his son or daughter as God holds us tight. And so they get to the shore, and we have a beautiful moment of unusual kindness. Now, God is at work in all of this. We've looked at Romans chapter 8, 28. All things work together for the good of those who love God, called according to God's purpose, because God cares about the people of Malta. Now, if you're on your way to Rome, Malta's nothing, little island, middle of nowhere, but God cares about Malta, and so God is using this storm to bring the gospel and the apostle Paul there to Malta, and these islanders are good folks, and they see this uh, 276 pastures that are uh, crushed by this storm and making their way to shore, and the islanders come out with a great hospitality, and the words I love are they showed unusual kindness. Isn't that nice? Unusual kindness, like that Halloween hospitality that we showed, the goblins and ghouls, they didn't sort of check people to say, listen, what nationality are you and, and uh, anything else? Do you have any resources to help us out? They just shared from the abundance and they made a, they made a fire and uh, they showed unusual kindness. In our own lives, how are we towards strangers, people in need? Are we like these islanders showing unusual hospitality? And it's amazing because I, I love that scripture verse from Hebrews chapter 13, 2 where it says, don't neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For some of you have entertained angels unaware. Man, 
What if we treated every stranger like maybe it's an angel? Maybe God is visiting us with an angel. Now, we should just show hospitality regardless. But in that moment, they were really, in some sense, treating an angel, which also means messenger, which is the Apostle Paul, who has the message of good news to change their lives and show them unusual hospitality. There's so many chapters in the Bible, of course, that's one of the commandments to show hospitality, and very much part of the, the desert culture. But also, when you think about it, remember Abraham and Sarah with the three strangers? And uh, they see these three strangers, and they could have just pushed them aside, but they saw that they were hungry, and so Abraham said, come on, and, and uh, asked Sarah if she wouldn't make something to eat, and so they, uh, Abraham and Sarah were way up in years. Abraham was in his 90s at that point, and Sarah not too far behind, about a decade behind him, and they had this promise of a son, and it hadn't happened for decades, and they clung to that promise, but had almost given up hope. But after they share a meal, serve these three men, who turned out to be angels, the angels turned to them and reiterated a promise of God, which was by next year, that same time, they would have that promised son. And it's amazing in that moment because in showing hospitality, they opened the door to angels unaware. God reaffirmed the promise, and it was a promise that would come true just a little bit more than a year from then. When in our lives do we need to reach out to strangers and just welcome them? Different races, different places, different nationalities, and just say welcome. How often has our life, have our lives been enriched in exciting and dynamic ways by strangers in our lives? So the people showed unusual kindness. And then look at the Apostle Paul showing unusual kindness. Now, I want you to imagine for a moment that you have been on a ship as a prisoner, but you know, you're, sort of, you're not going to go anywhere, so you, you choose to wander around. But for 14 days, you've been in a storm that has battered the boat. And for most of those days, you haven't had a thing to eat. And then in the last 24 to 48 hours, the ship has just been pounded into pieces into the reefs, and you had to swim ashore, and you basically you know, help all the other people that are on the ship, and then you collapse, and people are making a fire. What would you be doing? Most of us would be sitting around the fire, wouldn't we? We would just collapse. What was the Apostle Paul doing? Gathering firewood. Does this guy never stop? <laughs> the Apostle Paul is helping to gather firewood when you and I would probably just be collapsed. This guy just doesn't stop. And then he's gathering firewood, and as he's throwing it on the fire, a viper comes out of this bushes that he's thrown on the fire, and it hangs on his hand. And what does he do? He shakes it off and he keeps gathering firewood. Now, the people think this guy is cursed. You know, he's going to pass out no time and die. Paul doesn't, and then they think that he's a god, but Paul doesn't, isn't changed in any of that moment. And Paul helps build the fire for his fellow passengers on the ship. Wow. We've talked about what's your level of passion in life? What level of passion do you have? What are the gifts and talents you have to share? Of course, it's Faith Promise Sunday where we really emphasize that. And what is your level of resilience as you face challenge and adversity? Here's the Apostle Paul. He must have a lot of passion. He's definitely got gifts and talents to share, and he just doesn't seem to stop with that. And then what is his level of resilience facing challenge and adversity? Here he is. Gathering. And notice the Apostle Paul. He's not too good to pick up wood and throw it on the fire. And even though he's snake-bitten, he's not sidelined. Even though he's snake-bitten, he's not sidelined. And I know for a lot of people, we get snake-bitten in life, and it sidelines us, right? 
Not the Apostle Paul. He uses it as a ministry moment, just like the islanders use that moment of the storm and the shipwreck as a ministry moment. How are you about taking challenge and adversity in your life and making it into a ministry moment? Where are the ministry moments in your life? I once have a professor at seminary who said, uh, you know, you get so wrapped up in all the things, it's so busy being pastor all the time. He goes, but you know what? He said, the interruptions or the ministry. And I think that's true of all of our lives. The interruptions or the ministry. In those interruptions of life, in those unforeseen moments, in those little crises of life, we have an opportunity to have a ministry moment, not just pastors, but all of us in life. How are you taking those moments where you might be shipwrecked or snakebitten and turning it into a moment where you're not sidelined, but you're, you're ministering in life. The Apostle Paul was great at it. And then what do they do? They said, well, listen, we're going to take you over to the chief official's home, and you can relax there, and you can dry off a little bit. And Paul finds out that Plubius, this uh, city official, his father is sick with dysentery. And what does Paul do? Paul takes time out prays for him, the man is healed, and then all the islanders hear that that is happening, and they start bringing the sick and everyone to Paul, and Paul just keeps praying and keeps going with the ministry moment in life. Man, to give and give and give. You know, all of us need some rest, right? That's what the Sabbath this year too, to, to rest and to relax. But there's also times in the midst of life and the crises of life and the shipwrecks and the snake-bitten moments where we have a chance to, to minister, to give. And so I invite us to think about that unusual kindness. How are we as individuals? How are we as families? And how are we at families of faith about showing unusual kindness, not just to the people that are close to us, but the people outside our circle of friendship, faith, whatever it is, and welcome them and bless them in different ways? Well, because of what Paul did, and Paul shared the good news, not just with what he was doing, but actually shared the gospel the island of Malta today, in that time of ministry, has not just one church, but multiple churches all around that island, beautiful churches that people gave from everything they had. Of course, there's a statue of the Apostle Paul there overlooking the place where the ship uh, was shipwrecked, and uh, it's a monument to Paul, but not to maybe the greatness of Paul, but to the ministry moments of Paul. His unusual kindness that he showed back to the people showing unusual kindness to him. Back in 2019, Sabin and I went on a trip with her choir to New York City, and we really enjoyed it. Time to, she just loves big city and the coast and all that, and so we saw the sights, and she's a big music person, so one of the Broadway shows that we saw was Come From Away. I don't know if you've seen that Broadway show, but it's great. Based on a true story, true interviews by uh, Tom Brokaw a decade after it happened, but the story is this. Back in uh, the day of 9-11, when it happened, there were all these airplane flights in the air. And so they didn't know where to reroute them. They weren't going to really route them to um, any airport in the United States, particularly in the northeast quarter of the country with what was happening in New York City and Washington. So they routed them all, 40-some planes, to a little island called Gander, Newfoundland. Okay, Gander, Newfoundland. And uh, these people have their own little culture. And, uh, and they call anyone who's from away from there, you're, you're come from away, right? That's a little phraseology, but they had 40 planes, 40-some planes that are directed to a small airport there, big commercial airliners, and more than 7,000 passengers got off 
and they didn't know what to do with them. But the people of the island just showed up and started to show this unusual kindness to these people from out of their country, and uh, everybody emptied out the freezer, because it was an island. I mean, you can't go you know, to the main grocery, so they emptied out the grocery stores. They turned the ice rink, the hockey rink, into a, a giant walk-in freezer. So people brought all their stuff, and, uh, and at one point they were gonna do a grill thing, and so they told these people to, to go out and to get grills from people's yards. And, uh, and this African-American man shares that he was getting this grill out of some guy's yard. And the guy says, hey, what are you doing with the grill? He says, well, I'm taking it over so we can grill out with uh, all the people over there. He says, oh, here, wait a second. Let me give you some meat. So he gave him that. And he said, you know, back home where I come from, if you were caught in someone's backyard taking a grill, it would be bad things happening. But these people showed unusual kindness. They went out of their way. And then after, after days and days, I believe it was weeks of being stranded there, because just the logistics of getting those planes out, everything was grounded for a while. The planes began to fill up with the passengers, and then the passengers said, well, wait a second, how much do we owe you for all this food that you've given us, the places to stay? And, and the people said, no, you don't, we don't owe anything. We're happy to share kindness with you, to show hospitality. And, uh, but the people took up an offering and it ended up being used for scholarships because the people refused to take any money for it. But to this day, that scholarship money goes on to kids of the island of, uh, and the town of Gander and who want to go to college. But the more important thing, I think, is sometimes in life, in the shipwreck moments, in the storms, when we feel like we're snake bitten and we're just confronted with so many things, it's our moment to shine. It's a moment that God is giving us that's a ministry moment. And we're all ministers before the Lord, not just pastors, but all of us. We all have gifts and talents. One of the great points of the book of Acts is all of us are engaged in ministry. All of us have gifts and talents to share, and we think about that this morning. We think about our time, our treasure, our talents to share with our family of faith and with our community and beyond because we have an obligation because God has done so many good things to us to share from the abundance and blessing that God has given us. And God's word says to us and promises us that we cannot outgive God. We cannot outgive God. The hospitality and blessing, unusual kindness you share to others is going to be given back to you. The kindness, the unusual kindness that the islanders showed to all the shipwrecked people, including the Apostle Paul, was given back a hundredfold by the Apostle Paul who shook off the snake that bit him and healed people, who shared the good news on the island, who touched people's lives for decades to come. If you go to Malta today, you'll see the statue honoring the Apostle Paul. You'll see numerous churches around that island. It stands as a lighthouse and a beacon of faith because of Paul's willingness to stop in the midst of everything else, even though he's headed to Rome where his dream was, and that God cared enough in the midst of the storm to send that ship there and to bring the good news of the gospel. Friends, today, what is your level of passion? What are the gifts and talents that you have to share? What is your level of resilience as we face challenge and adversity? I think that the Apostle Paul would whisper down through the ages that in the storms of life, Jesus is always there. And sometimes when the waters aren't calm and we're driving the ship forward and the wind and waves, God has a destination before us. There's a destination that's been preordained by him to turn that storm into something good. 
And as we might be snake-bitten or shipwrecked, don't be sidelined. Be there in the midst of it, sharing the good news of the gospel, sharing the gifts and talents you have, and you will be blessed, not just on that day, but you will bless people down through the ages. Will you join me in prayer? Lord, as we think about the Apostle Paul in this moment of unusual kindness, when he shared hospitality, Lord, we pray that you'd help us also to do the very same thing, to be committed to sharing our gifts and talents you blessed us with, that we could be a blessing to others. Help us to do it with passion and enthusiasm, and help us to do it even amidst some of the challenges and adversities that we do face in life. As we look at this, a great example of the Apostle Paul, and we are ourselves empowered by the Holy Spirit. We pray this in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord, and all God's people said, amen.